This is the Orville Christian Church Podcast. Each week, you'll find content that helps you take your next step closer to Jesus. Join us online at orville.church slash live. Well, today we start a new series called The Me I Want to Be. The title comes from a book written a few years back by John Ortberg. We're going to use some thoughts and quotes from that book as we embark on a four-week journey together to becoming God's best version of you. Uh, As we begin, go ahead and turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be reading a verse from that chapter in a few moments. If you do not own a Bible... You can pick up a free copy at the Next Step area in the back of this room uh, before you leave today, or you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone or tablet. Have you ever thought about how quickly life seems to fly by? Christian author Max Lucado puts it this way. He says, by the time you knew what to call it, you were neck deep in it. You'd toddler walked and talked, smelled crayons and swung bats, gurgled and giggled your way out of diapers and into childhood. You'd noticed how guys aren't gals and dogs aren't cats and pizza sure beats spinach. And then, somewhere in the midst of it all, it hit you. At your grandpa's funeral, perhaps. And maybe when you waved goodbye as your big brother left for the Marines. You realize that these days are more than ice cream trips, homework, and pimples. This is called life, and this one is yours. Complete with summers and songs and gray skies and tears, you have a life. Didn't request one, but you have one. A first day a final day, and a few thousand in between, you've been given an honest-to-goodness human life. You've been given your life. No one else has your version. You'll never bump into someone on the sidewalk, or you'll never bump into yourself on the sidewalk, rather. You'll never meet anyone who has your exact blend of lineage, loves, and longings. Your life will never be lived by anyone else. And who pressed the accelerator? You know, I had always heard that the older you get, the faster time goes. That is so true, isn't it? In a few weeks, I'll be three years from the big 5-0. When, when our family moved to Orville, I was 32, still wet behind the ears. And our son Noah was 18 months. 12 days from today, Noah will be 16 and about to get his driver's license. How'd that happen? Who pressed the accelerator? Lucado continues, as soon as one day is lived, voila, here comes another. The past has passed, and the good old days are exactly that. Old days, the stuff of rearview mirrors and scrapbooks. Life is racing by, and if we aren't careful, you and I will look up, and our shot at it will have passed us by. Some people don't bother with such thoughts. They grind through each day without lifting their eyes to look. They live and die and never ask why. But not you, right? You want your life to matter. But what does God want you to be? Who does God want you to be? That's a pretty significant question, isn't it? Or maybe a better question to start with is, who are you in God's eyes? Do you know? 
What does God see when he sees you? Who are you anyway? Not who do you wish you were, but who are you really? This doesn't mean you say, well, this is just the way I am and I just can't help it. Yeah, I got a temper and I kind of lose it sometimes, but, but I'm, I'm wired hot. That's just who I am. No, no, no. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. God has a lot to say about how we ought to live. But I imagine there are some of you who know all too well who you are. And there are some of you who know who you are and you hope no one else finds out. Some of you may be exhausted trying to keep up the image you're working on. You're caught up in how others think of you. Why is it so difficult to face who we really are? To be real and genuine and truthful about ourselves. Well, we, we have insecurities, don't we? There's the fear of rejection. Or maybe we're hiding something that we're hoping no one will find out about. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 4, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Now, I know, I know the Bible says we're not to be prideful. We, we don't want to become prideful and arrogant. But here's a moment where God tells us it's okay to find some joy in who he's made you to be. Because if we will test our own actions, we can have a little pride in what God is doing in our lives and how God has made us. And we can feel this freedom that we don't have to compare ourselves to somebody else. This is where Ephesians 2 comes in. Look, look at verse number 10. It says, for we are God's what? Handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, there, there are some general good works that all of us should be doing. But I believe there, there's also some unique things God specifically put you on this planet to do. Uh, there, there's a sense of destiny in this verse. That God has some works he wants you specifically to walk in. And it's as if God has been waiting for you to step into those works ever since he created you. That, that word translated handiwork here in Ephesians 2.10 is the Greek word poema. Poema, it's where we get our English word poem. You and I, we are God's poem. And let's be honest, for some of us, there may not be a lot of rhythm and rhyme to our lives right now. Maybe we're trying to be something or someone that God never intended. But this word poema really means any work of art. It could mean a statue, a song, architecture, a painting. It conveys the idea of something artfully created. And that includes you. Did you know that you are God's work of art? You are. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are made in the very image and likeness of God, and we are loved by God with an everlasting love. Check out this verse in Psalm 143.5. 
This is part of God's poetry in the Bible. David writes, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Now, obviously, this includes the sun, moon, stars, birds, oceans, mountains, and so on. But guess what? It also includes you. In fact, you and I, we are the crown of God's creation. The Bible says God knit us together in our mother's womb. We have a temperament. We have emotions. We're we're good at a few things and not so good at other things. And how freeing it is when you know what you're not so good at. Not as an excuse, but to be able to, to stay in the lane you've been created to be in. Because when you and I work in that lane, God is honored. You are God's work of art. The Bible says in Romans 12, three, this is where the apostle Paul talks about the different gifts that we were given by God. He says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So, who are you? For a few moments, I want to go back all the way to the beginning, back to creation, to to the first few chapters of Genesis. There's so much there, I don't have time to read it all, so I'm going to quickly summarize it. But in Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. He creates the birds and the bees, the seas, and all that is. And then at the end of chapter 1, he says, let us make mankind in our own image, And so it says, male and female, he created them. In Genesis chapter two, God creates man first from the dirt, and then he creates woman from the man's rib. Then in chapter three, God puts them in the garden together, and there the woman Eve is tempted. She's tempted to eat the fruit that God said not to eat. And and here, here we see personalities come out. The woman ends up eating the forbidden fruit. But what's interesting is they're in the garden and it says Eve ate the fruit she was not supposed to eat and Adam is right there with her. Adam didn't say, at least it's not recorded, hey, didn't God say we shouldn't eat that? He didn't bother to say anything. He just stood there. I guess Adam was thinking she's gonna eat it so I'll let her eat it. If she doesn't drop dead in a few moments, I'm gonna have some too. Maybe. But then in chapter four, it gets really interesting. Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel becomes a shepherd and Cain becomes a farmer. And they would bring the best that they had to God. Abel from the flock, Cain from the ground and they would present their offerings to God. The Bible says God liked Abel's offering better than Cain's, and there was reasons for that. But Cain got mad about it. He didn't like this at all, that God favored his brother's offering, so he's angry. He feels dejected, and so what does he do? He kills his brother. And you thought your family was crazy. There's insecurity, jealousy, anger, murder. And we're only in the fourth chapter of the world. It goes on to say that Cain gets married and has a son named Enoch. 
And five generations later, so it'd be Cain's great, great, great grandson, I believe, he has a baby named Lamech. Lamech is gonna take the family lineage and make it even more dysfunctional because he's gonna marry two women. Lamech starts having children and he has a son named Jabel. Look, look, at, what, look at what it says about him, Genesis 4.20. Jabel was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. So finally, somebody figured out, why go out and find dinner every day and drag it home? Let's bring the animals back alive and start raising our own food here. Genius. And then this same Jabel, he realized that when they would slaughter an animal for dinner, the hide could be used on a rainy day. It must have been raining one day and the rain just rolled off the hide and so Jabel, he invents the tent. It's pretty amazing what he came up with. But then Jabel, he has a brother named Jubal. They were very creative with names. According to babycenter.com, the most popular baby names of 2021 so far are, do you know them? It's Olivia for girls and Noah for boys. They list the top 50, but I didn't see Jabel or Jubal. Now some of you could fix that, and your kids could have biblical names. Just saying. Anyway, here's what the Bible says about Jubal. Jubal was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Now, how did he figure out how to make a string or a bunch of strings? Did Jubal walk by a dead cat and go, I can use that? Maybe you didn't know, but some guitar and tennis racket strings are made from cat gut. It's true, look it up. And now I understand why God made cats. <laughs> Just joking, mostly. It's actually not cat, okay? But it's called cat gut. But, but Jubal, how, how did he figure this out? How did he figure out how to make strings and attach them to pieces of wood and then play them in a way that made sensible sounds? It's amazing what God did through these two boys. And then Lamech's other wife gave birth to another son named Tubal Cain. And he became an expert in making tools of bronze and iron. I mean, these were sharp kids. God made each of them unique. He gave all three boys abilities to do very different things. And to this day, we have tents, we have herding operations, we have stringed instruments, wind instruments, we have tools, and it all started in Genesis 4. Now, did Jubal resent Jabal because he made tents and came up with the idea of herds and flocks? Did Jabel resent Jubal because he created music and everybody showed up to, to listen to him? Did Jabel and Jubal resent Tubal Cain, their brother, because he made everyone's life easier with tools? We don't know, the text doesn't say. But what we do know is God created them to do some good works that he had prepared for them to do and evidently they did it dysfunctional family and all. But the question for us today is what about me and what about you? Here's what I know. God has created you. You are his work of art. 
And in the context of Ephesians 2, not only has he created you in his image, but if you are a follower of Jesus, God has recreated you in Christ. He's brought you from death to life. From the old version of you to the new version of you. You are a new creation. But what a mess we have sometimes because we fail to see the value. We fail to appreciate the me God made us to be because we compare ourselves to somebody else and we say, I wish I could be that. But God wants to say to us today, I I didn't make you to be that. I made them to be that. I made you to be you. I've gifted you and I've given you some good works I want you to do. I want to use you. My wife Beth and I are blessed to have three wonderful children. And guess what? They're all different. Imagine that. Noah is smart and really into sports. JC is compassionate and loves to draw and paint. Abby, she is just ornery. She loves to laugh and have a good time, as that picture kind of illustrates. Now, our kids could compare themselves to each other and to everybody around them, and I'm sure they do sometimes. It happens. But as parents, our job is to give them a sense of value and security. That God made them to be them. That God made them with unique gifts that he wants to use. And I can't think of a better message for us to tell our kids that you are God's work of art. In fact, our daughter JC picked a word for her life in 2021. Her word is masterpiece. Another translation of Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece. And every morning when I drop her off at school, I try to remind her of that. JC, you are God's masterpiece. Because she is. And so are you. See, other people may discount it or discount you, but not God. God is thrilled when he sees you doing what he's made you to do. God made you to be you. No one else on the planet is like you. No one else has your unique fingerprint. So stop pretending to be something you're not. Learn to be you. But how do we do that? What, what are some practical next steps we can take? Well, a lot, a lot could be said, but I wanna quickly challenge you to start by having three conversations this week. Three conversations. The first one is that we would talk to God. After all, he's the one who created us, right? So he probably knows. Go go to him in prayer and ask, Lord, who did you create me to be? Please show me. I want to learn. Open up his word, the Bible, and listen. A great passage I quoted from earlier is Psalm 139. Read it this week. Chew on it. God has some things he wants to say to you. He wants to show you who you really are. Next conversation is talk to a trusted friend. Maybe it's your spouse or significant other. Perhaps it's someone in your small group or ABF class. Ask someone you know that knows you, who do you think God created me to be? What do you see? And then listen. This is one of the reasons why God put people around us to speak into our lives. And then finally, number three, is talk to you. 
talk to you. That, that might sound a little strange, but we talk to ourselves all the time, right? And too often, our self-talk is not truthful. It's not God's truth. It's this playlist that keeps repeating lies. Things like, I am unlovable. I am unacceptable. I am a failure. I'm not very smart or good enough. There's nothing special about me. And on and on it goes. This week, I want to challenge and encourage you to pursue a new playlist. Start speaking truth to yourself, God's truth, because here's the deal. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's work of art. Ortberg in his book writes this. He says, you will always be you, a growing healthy you or a languishing you, but God did not create you to be anybody else. He pre-wired your temperament. He determined your natural gifts and talents. He made you feel certain passions and desires. He planned your body and mind. Your uniqueness is God-designed. He continues, it is humbling that I cannot be anything I want. Wow. I don't get to create myself. But I accept myself as God's gift to me and accept becoming that person as God's task set before me. You see, it's not what we do that determines who we are. It's who we are that determines what we do. And so I wanna beg you this morning, learn to be you. Not your version of you, but God's best version of you. And through that, we will discover the me I wanna be. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the life you've given us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be who you created us to be. We, we turn to you now as we continue our worship and we ask that you would give us insight and courage to take our next step toward you, whatever that might be. You, Father, are our creator and redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.